0: Okay, good morning, Bokertoven, tov and chodesh tov. A special thank you again to our uh, amazing sponsors for the series for the year, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, who sponsored L'zecher Nishmas, our dear friend Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbett, Baruch Tzvi Bein, Ruben, Nasson. Who lived a life filled with Torah, voda and Hashem and Amuna. I'm sorry, it's been a little while. And uh, we are continuing with uh, the Sefer, Tzadik Be'emunaso Yechia of Ravolbe, which uh, the name has even more significance to me because the acronym for Tzadik Be'emunaso Yechia is. Anyone know? The acronym Tzadik Be'emunaso Yechia. Anyway, our new grandson's name is Aryeh uh, Tzvi, and at his bris, his father, our son in law, said Tzvi Tzadik Be'emunaso Yechia. That, that's an acronym, the name Tzvi, stands for Tzadik Be'emunasa Yecheh. Is anyone, there's coffee here, if anyone still needs to wake up. You're all looking at me like, uh, you guys okay? Is everybody here okay, feeling okay? I feel like we need some defibrillators. We need some uh, defibrillators in here anyway again the premise of the whole sefer that we've been making our way through is that one is really only alive if they are living a life in a relationship with hashem if there is no hashem if a person's living only for themselves their happiness their joy their pleasure they think they're in charge they're in control then they live a life of anxiety and worry and fear a life of arrogance and ego and selfishness And if a person person is living a life of emunah, a mission-driven life, a purpose-driven life, if we feel I'm here for a reason, there's a difference I have to make. If a person is in this planet realizing that my mission and goal is not to be selfish, but selfless, my goal is not to seek my own pleasure, but to repair and improve the world around me, we are truly only alive when we relinquish control. We let go and we let God and we realize that he's in charge. Okay. So it's uh So we've been going through Revoba told us, quoting from Rachim Vital, that we have four elements within a person, Ashru, mayim, and Afar. We have fire, wind, water, and dust, earth. We come from all four. And that all of our character traits and habits are symptoms of a corruption or a virus within those four elements within us. And just like in medicine, you don't treat the symptom, but you try to heal the underlying illness or sickness. So true, each of these four elements, if there's a virus, it expresses itself in uh, inappropriate behavior, choices, actions, and so on. And we went through so far, yesod ha'esh, that when the fire in us is misguided, misdirected, fire is the element of passion, of enthusiasm. Somebody who's on fire, Misdirected, fire expresses itself how? As arrogance and as anger. A person who has a burning fire has a burning ego. A person with a burning fire has rage and anger and flies off the handle. And so how do you solve or conquer or heal those manifestations, those symptoms, is to repair the element from within. That's what we spent a significant amount of time on. And now we're on the second element, which is ruach. We're on page Pei in the uh, handout. Page pay. We're going to go back and catch up. I know we did the first paragraph already, but we're going to go back because uh, if you're listening online in succession, there was no break. But if you're here in person, we've had a little something called Yantif in the way. So it's interesting, the second element within us is ruach. That word ruach, wind, in this context, sees it as an element. There's a notion of wind. Right, Even anatomically, or physiologically, or biologically, we can find these parallels. That doesn't mean to suggest that there's a fire inside us, but it means that even within the body there's heat and a heat element. You have a notion of wind, there's a notion of earth, and there's a notion of water. Our body mass is made up mostly of water. So these four elements are not just metaphysical, but they have uh, expression in the physical world in the physical way as well so in this context ruach here means literally wind but ruach also means ruach is the word that we use to describe a a soul someone who has a soul has a ruach spirituality is called ruchnius there is a nefa nefesh ruach neshama there are three layers or three levels of the soul the nefesh the ruach and the neshama Not for now, but Ruach is a description of the Neshama. So last Motzei Shabbos, when we dedicated our Midrashah, I mentioned a beautiful insight that was just shared with me. We say every day, mashiv HaRuach or Morid HaGeshem. The Morid HaGeshem, Geshem "geshem stands for Gashmis, is the physical material world. Morid HaGeshem, we say, God, make it rain. Now, if you're a farmer, when you say make it rain, you literally need to make it rain if you want to have income and food to eat that year. When we say make it rain, we mean bring in clients and customers, make my stock and portfolio go up, let me do well financially, right? Make it rain. The lawyer who has to produce has to make it rain. It's how we use the expression even in our vernacular, make it rain. So Morit HaGeshem, we say Hashem. This is a kavanah. I'm giving you a little sitter snippet bonus. <laughs> yeah. Ma'ashiv HaRuch HaMorit HaGeshem. Morit is every day. We've just introduced that. We start on Shemini HaTzeres to our Shemona Esrei. Three times a day we say, God, Morit HaGeshem. Make it rain, make it rain, help make it rain. Why are we saying it there, by the way? We don't say it in the middle section, which is the bakasha where we make requests. Where are we saying it in the first three brachos? Why are we inserting it in the first three brachos? What's its role in the first three brachos? Shmon is divided up into three parts. You've been with me long enough to know that I take a lot of tangents, but we ultimately get where we're meant to go. We just go on a lot of detours. So Shmon is made up of three parts. I have the three blessings of praise, I have the 13 blessings of requests, and I have the three blessings of gratitude, of thank you. That is the formula. First, I praise Hashem, then I have my 13 requests, which Chazal, the Anshei Knesset the men of the great assembly, authored. And how did they do so? Because with their divine inspiration, they were able to anticipate the universal human needs. And the 13th section, the middle brachas, that we all say in Shemun Esrei, represent the universal needs of humanity. And they are for knowledge and healing and repentance and justice. And, <laughs> and then we have the generic catch-all of Shema Koleinu, that if they didn't get it in the verse 12, in Shema Koleinu, throw in whatever you need to throw in. Help me do well on my test. Help my flight leave on time. Help me come up with a good drusha. Help whatever it is that I want to throw into the generic one, help the chalant come out not too watery. Whatever you want to throw in, whatever you want to throw into the generic Shema Koleinu, you can throw into it. So I have the three of praise, the 13 of requests, and then the three of gratitude. Now is not the time, but there's a lot to be said. Why is it in that order? And why am I starting out with praise? Rav Pinkis writes in his Sefer Sharon Bet People often mistakenly think, why are we starting out by praising Hashem? Why am I praising Hashem? Because what is the best method or formula to get what you want? So if I need something later, I'll go home and I'll say, yeah, did I mention how beautiful you look today? <laughs> Everything, you made. Did I tell you how good your cooking was last night? Did I tell you how brilliant you are, how, insights, how invaluable your insights are to me? By the way, I need you to drive me to Miami to the airport. So what are we, we know that what we do is we praise and then we go in for the kill by asking what we need. So Rapincus says, maybe you'll mistakenly think that that's the role of Shevach here. Says so Repinkus, do you think HaKadosh Baruch your wife is not so foolish, your boss is not so foolish, nobody around you is so foolish, certainly the Almighty, the Rebona Shalom, is not so foolish that by throwing a few praises, God, have I told you how good you look? Have I told you how magnificent your world is? He's not going to buy into that. So why are we starting with Shevach, says is for an altogether different reason, which is, before you can go ask Hashem for the things that you need, you first have to understand that He's the one who can provide it. So the goal of the praise of the Shevach is not to position yourself to ask and get what you want. The goal of the praise is to understand how categorically different we are than He he is the infinite, omnipotent being. He is the source of all and he can provide all. So I describe him as Hakel, Hagadol, Hagibor, vahanora. He's the source of everything. He has that strength. I'm understanding who he is so that now when I go in to ask, I'm not asking from someone who's incapable of providing, I'm asking from the one who's the source of everything. The purpose of the praise is not to position Hashem. The purpose of the, or manipulate Hashem, exploit Hashem, the purpose of the praise is for me to understand my dependence on Him, so that when I ask, so actually, when I flew there to Israel recently, I sat next to Rav Moshe Mer-Weiss on the airplane. So we had a great time together, and we spoke for a very So he said this word, he told me, from Revolba, Taka from Revolba. He said, how do we introduce Israel What's the What's the sentence that we'd use? Hashem is fasai Anyone know where that comes from? Comes from Tehillim. David HaMelech wrote it. Anyone know which capital, Which paragraph of Tehillim? What the context, what David HaMelech was talking about? Some of us have been saying the Shemona Esrei more than a handful of times our whole lives. It's important to know where these things come from because they change our, our mindfulness for everything. David wrote it in the capital where Nasan HaNavi comes to him and challenges him about what he did wrong with Maisa Bat Bacheva was married to another man, and David was attracted to her, and he orchestrated things with her. The husband, and we're not supposed to say the Gemara says anyone who accuses David as being chote, as sinning and el toa has made a terrible mistake. This is not a shear about David and Bacheva, which is its own other topic, but in that capitol when Nasan Navi challenges David with the mistake that he made, David says, "Whoa, I'm so far away, I'm so distant from Hashem. Hashem sfasai tiftach, Hashem, I don't know if you're ready to even hear from me." I've so violated our relationship. I've so disappointed you. I feel so distant from you. I don't even know if you're ready to hear from me. So Hashem, move my lips, open my lips, so that my mouth can sing your praise. So every day when we say Shemona Asrei, when you say the Shemona Mincha, you know what you're starting off with? You're saying, Hashem, between Shah, You remember at Shacharis when I told you I was going to be a really good boy, a really good girl? <laughs> remember when I told you I was going to be careful to make a bracha before I eat and think of you? And I'm not going to gossip, and I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to be righteous, and I'm going to be virtuous, and I'm going to be... Remember all the promises I made to you just a couple hours ago, Shacharis? I've made some mistakes. I've slipped up. I haven't lived up to my potential and my promises, and I feel kind of far away. So how do we start out each time? Do I have permission to approach the bench? Hashem's s'fasai, tivtach. Move my lips. Ufiya la Saha. Are we good? Can I tell you how I feel? Can I can I speak to you again? Even though I told you I wasn't going to do it again, and I did it again in between the last time. It's an amazing thing. David Melh gave us the license. He gave us the license to continue to daven even after we violate everything we just said during our last davening. Hashem Beautiful. Really important to know. So rev Moshe Meyer Wise told me from Revoba the following. We say Hashem Hashem move my lips so that I can praise you. And then we say Shemona Esrei, that's filled not only with praise, the majority of Shemona Esrei, twice the amount of praise in Shemona Esrei is requests. Twice. So what happened to that? Isn't it, Hashem, move my lips so that I can praise you. And how am I praising you? By asking all these things of you. That's a praise. So Ravoba says, there's no greater praise to Hashem than recognizing that you rely and depend on Him. Isn't that amazing? It's Geshmak. The greatest praise to Hashem is, I need you. When you say, Hashem, I don't need you. I got it covered. I'm good. I'm good. I have all the money. I have all the health. I have all the talent. I have all the nachas. I'm good. I'm good. I have everything. So Hashem says, where's our relationship? What happened to our relationship? Hey, moron, you only have those things because I give them. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you fill your kid's debit card and they say, you know, uh, Mama, but don't call me. I'm good. I have a lot of money on my debit card. I'm good. Where do you think you got the money on your debit card? Who do you think replenishing it for everything that you have. So imagine your kid says, I don't need to talk to Erev Shabbos, I'm good, I got plenty of money, I'm gonna go off and have a good time. So that's who we are. So Hashem Fasai tiftach, move my lips. Why? Because I want to praise you. And what's the greatest praise for you? Please give me wisdom, give me knowledge, give me healing, give me this. The greatest praise to Hashem is I need you. Okay, just come with me on another detour for one more minute. We're gonna come back, I promise, I promise. We just read last week's Pasha, in Brayshus. The snake seduces Chava, Chava seduces Adam. They all make a mistake. None of them take responsibility. Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't punish them when they make the mistake. When does he punish them? What Chaim Shmulevitz points out. When does Hashem punish them? When he says, Ayaka, hey, where are you? Adam, what's going on? Remember when I told you, you have a all-you-can-eat shmorg, but just like one item on it, don't touch? And you went, boom, right to that one item. Anything going on? Anything you want to let me know about? Anything you want to inform me of? And Adam says, it wasn't my fault, it was her fault. Schav, anything going on? Anything you want to let me know about? Anything? What's happening? It wasn't my fault, it was the snake's fault. So that's when Hashem punishes. Why? Says so mm-hmm. Hashem can tolerate we make mistakes. He designed us, He programmed us, He knows we're not perfect, and He knows we will make mistakes. You know what He can't tolerate? Blaming. When we don't take ownership for the mistakes. Mm-hmm. When we don't own up. What in that whole essay talks about is achrayas, taking achrayas. We have to take achrayas. We have to take achreis, extreme ownership. We spoke about this last Shabbos HaGadol before Pesach last year. Taking extreme ownership in our lives. <coughs> no, the I don't remember when it was. Extreme ownership, achrayis. So anyway, they get expelled. Each of them is punished. Chav's punishment is contractions. Adam's punishment is, he's gotta go to work. And what's the snake's punishment? It crawls, it crawls around on its belly and has, what does it eat from? The dust, the dust of the earth. So I asked the Chidush Arim the Ger This is a punishment? He says to the snake, Your food is the dust of the earth. And the snake says, Unbelievable. I have an all-you-can-eat buffet the rest of my life. There is no limit to the dust of the earth. How is that a punishment? How is that a punishment? Says the Chidush Arim, You know what a punishment it is? Because when a parent says to a child, Here's the bank account. Here's the money. I don't want to hear from you again. You're good to go. You have everything you need. The punishment was the very fact that we have deficiencies and needs is the foundation of the relationship we have with Hashem. When we feel that we have everything we struggle to connect with Him. It's when we feel that there's something lacking and there's something that we need and we turn to Him. And it doesn't have to mean that we're missing money. There are people, I've used the quote recently before and I love this quote, there are people who are so poor that Nebuch all they have is money. There's one form of being poor is needing money, but there are people who have a lot of money who don't have health, who don't have nachas, who are struggling in their relationships, their self-esteem, their happiness, anxiety. There's many, many, many forms of being poor and many, many, many ways that you can be rich. So when a person feels I'm missing something, and I need Hashem, I need Him help, I want to heal this relationship, I'm concerned about my child, I care about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, anti growth of anti-Semitism, I'm worried about the future of, of American politics, whatever it is that you want to daven for. When you feel there's something that you need, that is the basis of the relationship with Hashem. When you feel, I'm good, I look at my life and I've got everything. So on the one hand, Eiza Asher Asamech Bechelko, it's a very good quality to feel, I'm happy with what I have, but on the other hand, to connect with Hashem, you have to have that, have that <coughs> sense of a deficiency. So says the Chidish Arim: the punishment was the snake was, here's a unlimited bank account, leave me alone, I don't want to hear from you. That's a punishment, because it is the very lacking, which creates the core of the relationship. That's why the of the Shulchan Aruch records, based on the Gemara, that when you choose a Shliach Tiber, when we choose a, a, a uh, Chazan to represent us, who are we looking for? The wealthiest, most handsome, most charming, best voice, the one who has Allah, when one who has everything? Okay. No. Shilchan says you're looking for the person who's struggling, who has needs, the mm. who, person who, who, when they daven, mm. boy, is that a sincere davening. That's coming from a place of, great, of desperation. Mm-hmm. It's coming from the most authentic, genuine place. That's who we look for. That's who we look for. Okay, so coming back. That is the source of the... Oh, that was all because we said... Ha-geshem. HaShem, make it rain. Gashmius, What's the first half of that sentence? MaShiv HaRuach. Ruach is another word we use for Ruchnias. If Geshem is gashmius is the physical, then Ruach, Ruchnias, <coughs> is our hope for the spiritual. So MaShiv HaRuach, make the Ruchnias blow. Make, the ruch, make me feel spiritual. Let me come to the Amunashir. Let me get into davening. Let me get into feeling your presence. Let me be dancing to your tune, to your music. I saw an amazing BaShem this morning. Anything I say here, I plan on repeating, so I'm telling you that in advance. I'm just uh, kind of trying it out here with you. The Baal Shem Tov says the following. He says, you know what a moon is like? Imagine somebody comes into a room, and everybody's moving, moving their arms, moving their feet, gyrating, moving with each other. Everyone in the room is dancing. But the person who comes into the room is deaf, so they can't hear the music. So they don't understand what everybody's moving to. They look like a bunch of crazy people because if you can't hear the music, the people who are dancing look like they're crazy. We went to a simcha recently, there's a new phenomenon where you give out headphones, it's called a silent DJ. Anyone ever been to a simcha with this? Mm -hmm. You gotta keep up in the ante of what's like the next exciting thing. This was never on my bucket list of exciting things, but everybody in the room has headphones and most of the kids participate and uh, they play different music on different headphones there's different channels, and it's different music playing on different headphones. So first of all, if you're an adult and you want to be sitting at your table (coughs) having a conversation, you're not competing with music that's (laughs) bursting your your eardrum but you also, the kids, anyone who's dancing looks like a weirdo, because if you're sitting having a conversation in a quiet room and somebody's dancing, they look like a total weirdo. And the whole idea of it is that some people are listening to slow music and others are fast music, or music at different beats, so it's a lot of fun and it's funny that the people look different than you and it's all fun. So says the Bashem. you walk into a room and people are all dancing, but you can't hear the music, they look like weirdos. He says, that's Amuna. The people who are living with Amuna, they're hearing the music and they're dancing through life. They're living a different life. Life is in HD, it's in high definition color, when you're living black and white. It's a different life if you're living with emunah. If you see Hashem in every apple, and every cup of coffee, you see Hashem in the rainbow that was texted to me several times by people this morning, that was Parsh's Noach, uh, that you're not supposed to talk about, you saw a rainbow, but whatever. It, you see Hashem in, If you see Hashem in absolutely everything, then you're, you're hearing the music, and that's why you're dancing with other people. And the person who looks at you and says, you're a weirdo, you say, hey brother, hey sister, you just don't hear the music. I'm not weird. I'm dancing to music. You just don't hear that music. This year is an invitation. Come, let's listen to the music together. Some people need to turn the volume up a little bit. Some people need to put on the headphones. Some people need to clear their ears out from the wax that's blocking them from hearing the music. We have all kinds of relationships with the Amuna, but that's we're hearing, we're hearing the music of Amuna, so we can do that dance together. So back to Mashiv HaRuach, and then we'll get to the text. What time is it? <laughs> Oi. So back to Mashiv HaRuach. Why is spirituality and why is the Neshama called Ruach? So I mentioned this past Motei Shabbos, somebody shared with me, my buddy Sender Gabbard shared this Torah with me. Why is it called Mashiv HaRuach? Because wind is invisible. How do you know it's there? Because you feel it blowing because you see a tree and it's rustling. And when you see the branch or the leaves of the tree that they're rustling, you know that there's wind. And the neshama is invisible. You can't see it, you can't capture it, you can't touch it. The neshama is invisible. But how do you know it's there? Because you feel its impact. Spirituality, ruchnias. this is the same as the b'ashem. It's invisible, ruchnias. If someone says, can you bottle some spirituality for me? You go in to Yisrael, can I give you a container? You'll bring back some spirituality for me. <laughs> We could sell it for a lot of money at town center mall. We'll bring back bottles of spirituality from the Holy Land. You can't bottle ruchnia, spirituality, it's not tangible, it doesn't fit in a box, it's invisible. But like the wind, you can feel its impact. And just like when you look at the tree and it's rustling, you know it's windy. If you look outside because you want to know what the weather is, and you see the branch, you see the wind, you know that it's windy because the tree is moving. You can't see the wind, the wind's invisible, but you see the tree. So too, when you look out and you see the people who are dancing, you know they're hearing the music. When you see the tree that's moving, you know there's wind, there's ruchnius. That's why ruchnius, spirituality, is called ruach. That's why the neshama is called ruach. Okay, let's get to our text a little bit now. Chazal monim arba kisah mekam So if, if one of the elements is ruach, is wind, how does that express itself? If fire expressed itself in arrogance and anger, wind expresses itself through speech. The element of wind inside of us, our wind pipe... Our wind, that's how we produce sound. That's the power of speech, is through that capacity of wind. So Lashonharah, rachila Sheker, gossip, and um, speaking negatively, and distorting the truth, those all come from a virus, a corruption, in the element of wind that's inside us. The Gemara and tells us that for Hashem, there are four groups of people that there's not enough room for God and that person in the world. And one of them, are the people who gossip, Kol Masapar Lashonharah, Kilo so you remember last time we had like four or five different interpretations by people in the shir? I didn't have any good ideas, but you had the most amazing ideas about why is it that if you gossip, you are denying God? I had one suggestion. That there's a tzalim and everybody, everyone is an expression of God. If you gossip about them, you are denying the godliness in them. So that a person who's... But you remember there were many other beautiful ones? Go back and re-listen to the last year because there were beautiful, beautiful ideas that came out. The person who gossips says, you know the power of speech that I was given? It's mine. I own it. I could use it how I want. If I want to speak negatively, if I want to gossip, if I want to degrade, if I want to negate, if I want to marginalize, if I want to call a name, it's my power of speech. I could use it however I want. He thinks he's in charge of his power of speech. Says Rabbi Yonah, our limbs and our organs and the faculties that we have, they're not ours to choose how to use. They're on loan from God. We are stewards. And when we use it in his interest, we give him a return on that gift that he allows us to keep it. And if we violate it, God forbid he takes it away. Rabbi Emanuel Feldman in his book, Tales Out of Shul, he was a rabbi in, in Atlanta. He writes the most difficult question he ever received. Today it's different. But there was a woman who had cancer of the larynx who was having her voice box removed. And she asked him before the, schedule, the surgery was scheduled, what are the last words that I should say? I won't be able to speak after it's removed. I'll have one last chance to speak. What should they be? Should it be a tefillah? Should it be I love you to my family? Should it be What should the last words I say? Imagine, we knew that we had last words, not because we were leaving this world. We were going to remain in this world, but we'd lose our power of speech. Today, we have all kinds of, thank God, the gift of uh, progress and advance. We have ways, mechanisms to get around it. Now you hold up something to your throat, and based on the vibrations, it produces a sound. We had a great Shaila from B.R.S. West about it. We had a bar mitzvah at as West where the father had this issue and only was able to speak by holding this up. And the question is, can a person receive an aliyah to the Torah if you're not really hearing their real voice when they make the bracha for the aliyah? It's only coming through the electronic mechanism that's hearing and feeling the vibration. So number one, can they get an aliyah to the Torah? Is that a real bracha you're hearing? Number two, can they use it on Shabbos? So I asked the Shailah to Rav Asher Weiss who wrote a whole tshuva about this Shailah. Very interesting. So Rabbi Manuel Feldman says, Toughest question you ever received in his rabbinate? it was that question. What would be the words you say? What would be the last words that you could say if you could only speak one more time? To whom would you say them? When would you say them? What would they be? What would they try to communicate or express? So that's what Rabbi Yona says. If you're Masapar Lashon Hara, if you gossip, you are denying God. Why? Because God gave you those lips. He gave you that voice box and he said, I'm giving you a power of speech. And that power of speech is what distinguishes us over the animal. It's what distinguishes us over the animal. Adam Arishon is described as having the power of speech. Targum, the Targum translates, the Aramaic translation of the Torah. Last week's Pasha, Pasha's Bracious. when it says that God breathed life into Adam, brought him to life, and he made him le nefesh chaya, says the Targum le ruach memalala. It means he gave him the power of speech. The animal barks and meows and grunts and maybe speaks in a very low, unsophisticated way. But sophisticated speech, the capacity to really communicate deeply and profoundly, was only first given and gifted to man. Now by the way, why was it given to man? To whom was he, with whom was he supposed to use it? When Adam was first given the power of speech, who was he speaking to? Chava wasn't there yet. If so, believe me, she would have been doing the speaking. Okay, dangerous, I understand. Sorry, sorry, dangerous crowd. Okay, relax. Everybody relax, you know it's true, but relax. I live in a house full of women, trust me, I get a word in like every other week, every other week. Anyway, that's why I talk so much at shul, because there I have an audience that will let me say something. So Adam was given the power of speech, Adam was given the power of speech. With whom was he supposed to use that power of speech? Chava didn't exist yet. So the commentaries say, you see, what is the primary use, the primary purpose, the original use of the power of speech to Davin. There was someone Adam could speak to. There was someone that Adam was given the power of speech to use with, and that is the Ribbon Shalom. Yeah, I also happen to use, we get it backwards. People think, oh, I have the power of speech so I can talk to the people around me, my friends, my family, at work and life. Oh, I guess I should also use it to Davin. But you see, it's the opposite. I was given the power of speech primarily, so I talked to Hashem oh, now that I have this power of speech to talk to Hashem, I also have the ability to use it to speak to my family, my friends, at work and in life. But the original use of the power of speech was given, why? To talk to Hashem, because you see, in the very definition of His creation, we were given the ability to speak, when? Why? To speak to Hashem, even before we were given the ability to use it, to speak to people around us. So says Rabbeinu Yoni, you're a kofer. you're a heretic, you're denying Hashem, if you use that power of speech, wrongly, negatively, why? Because it's not yours, it's loan from God. It's loan from God. Ask people with laryngitis. We had a good friend who a few years ago had a polyp on his voice and he wasn't able to speak. He had to go like two months without speaking, he walked around with an iPad, he would write out everything and then it would say it to you. You know what a pain that was, both for the listener and for him? So ask someone with laryngitis or the inability to speak and we understand what a gift it is that we take for granted. But it's not our gift. It's to be used only to further his cause, his vision, to build, to construct, to uplift, to to create, to give chizek, and so on. Not negatively. Oh, right. Rabbi Horowitz out in California with ALS, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who's only able to communicate by moving his eyes and Mm -hmm. typing on a keyboard, Mm -hmm. and uses that to write a blog every week. A young, he was vibrant and alive and such a source of light and inspiration. His wife spoke here a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. An amazing, amazing uh, couple. So he can only speak painstakingly, moving his eyes on a, on a keyboard. Thank God he has that. Otherwise he'd be locked in a body. The only thing left that he can move of his whole body are his eyes. That's all that's left. And he uses it. Great example, great example. Second paragraph. Now we're ready to start. That's what we're <laughs> up to. Shkoyach. Thank you for coming along on this ride. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> 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 HaGon Reb Chaim Ivelazhin. Chaim Valazhin was the principal Talmud of the Vilna Gaon, the Grah. The Talmud Muvak of the Grah. In his Sefer Nefesh HaGayim. There is nothing that we do, say, or think that is lost on God. God has access to our innermost thoughts. God is recording everything we say. And God is... Every- <coughs> It's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. No, da mimcha, know what is above you. ayin Roa, ozen The eye sees, the ear hears. Everything we're saying is being recorded. So for generations, for thousands of years, people were like, ah, eh, I don't know exactly what that means. There's an eye that sees, there's an ear that hears. But we know exactly what it means. Because those of you who have your phone in your pocketbook or on the table or anywhere near you, you need to know that Apple or, or AT&T or whoever, sees and hears everything that you're saying and doing. We know that. We know that. Have you ever been talking to somebody about something, and then you go on your phone, and the next thing you know, there's an ad for the thing that you were talking about. And you say, what a coincidence. And that's what they're banking on. That's exactly what they're banking on, is that you're going to say, what a coincidence. But there's absolutely no coincidence. It's because they're listening. Whether it's algorithms listening, or actual people, calls centers that it's been shown that they were listening. That's why people who are very... uh, Whatever, they put a little piece of tape over the camera on their laptop, on their phone, on their everything. They turn off their devices. If you want privacy, get away from your technology. So we're living in a time, maybe the first time, that we can really understand what this means. I in Roa, Ozen Shomas. There's an eye that sees it, there's an ear that hears. You can't walk outside without a satellite picking up your image. You can't be anywhere if there's technology nearby where there's not a camera or a device that's recording, that's listening, that's hearing, and so on and so forth. I, I mentioned in Adrasha a few years ago, there was... Um, What's the Amazon Echo? No, what's the... Alexa. 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 Yes, was, there was I an issue know. where the Alexa recorded a conversation between a couple mm-hmm. and by accident sent the conversation to the person they were talking about. Because <gasps> in Alexa, you could say, send an email to so-and-so. So by the mention of the name, it thought it said email so-and-so, but they were really gossiping about so-and-so, and it sent the conversation about the people they were talking about. <laughs> Ian Rosen, Roa, Ozen Shomas, You're gossiping? There's an eye that sees, there's an ear that hears. Everything's being recorded. Everything could be shared. So the Ribbon on the Almighty, if we now see the physical manifestation of that, right? And, and the Koresh Baruch Hu, of course, always was doing that. And he adds, based on this post again Amos says that when a person comes upstairs and they have to confront our creator the secret is that Hashem will have recorded everything that we said so the things that we said that we want to forget Hashem doesn't forget anything we'll get the transcript we'll get the transcript of everything everything How judgmental we were the gossip the lack of giving the benefit of the doubt now We can the good news is we can edit the transcript. You can purge it from the record It's a little sign called Chuva. when you feel bad about what you did and you commit not to do it again and You don't repeat it. We have the ability to edit the transcript. We can edit the recording. We can edit the video That's the good news the bad news is if you don't edit it if you get to edit it You don't edit it sincerely. You don't do a good job editing it's going to be a very uncomfortable time with your mother-in-law and the world to come. So, not, not, my, not my mother-in-law, not my mother-in-law. I'd be proud for her to hear my recording, but your mother-in-law. So that's the of the Milsa. That is the secret. That is the secret. That everything we're saying and everything we're thinking, everything we're feeling is going to be recorded. But and Megalim we're on the next page. Ma ha it's not just that we're going to see the transcript upstairs. You know what we're going to see? We're going to see the impact that our words have that we have no access to in this world. So I, we're going to see that, you know, we once said something negative about selling to someone else who then was asked about a shidduch by someone else and really didn't know anything but just relied on our gossip and said something negative and that called off that shidduch and that person was single for 10 more years all because you flippantly over coffee without even knowing anything shared some gossip. So in this world, we don't know that. We don't know about the email that we forwarded or the text that we said or the gossip that we deposited without even thinking about it. But in the next world, not only do we see the transcript, but we see the impact that it had. The famous Chavetz Chaim, when someone said, I spoke gossip, I feel bad, how do I repair? And he said, bring me a feathered pillow. And he ripped a hole in the pillow and he smacked the pillow and the feathers went everywhere. And he said, collect all the feathers. And he said, I can't possibly do that. And he said, exactly, that's the impact of your Lashen That was true in the Chavetz Chaim town in a little shtetl called Raden. That was before you had social media and the internet and a digital footprint that once something is out there, it cannot ever be taken back or taken down. It is part of the permanent record. Even if you think you've deleted it, or purged it. So that's what we see in the world to come, is not just what we said, but the impact of what we said, the damage of what we said, the hurt, the injury, the pain that we, that we wrought by what we said. Or, conversely, we can see the good that we don't even know that we said. You know that you send a text to someone that you're thinking about them, or, or that you thought of them, or you put in a good word, or you check in on them? We don't begin to know the positive that we create through the little things that we do through the little things that we do. We don't begin, you know often you do that and someone says, you know, that message came in just when I needed it. You don't know what you did for me. You don't know what it meant to me that you were thinking about me. We don't begin to understand the positive too. So it doesn't just work one way, it works both ways. The positive impact that we could have and the difference that we can make also with our words. We will also get to see that upstairs. Let's just finish this paragraph. Rabbi <laughs> <laughs> Sra said, it's worth studying Musr your entire life if it empowered you to just refrain from Lashon Hara once. It's worth spending a lifetime of learning Musr if there was one time where you had one really juicy piece of gossip and you found a way to say, you know what? I'm keeping it to myself. I'm keeping it to myself. Because we can't begin to understand or appreciate or anticipate how much we will suffer and how much suffering we caused by the negative things that we said. So back to Amunah. What does it have to do with Amunah? Because if you have Amunah and Hashem and you realize He runs the world, He's the one who's in a position to judge, not me. He's the judge, I don't sit in judgment of others. He's the one who judges. I don't sit and judge and gossip and negative and the negative impact, the damage that we cause, the hurt and the pain that we create. So if you live with Amuna, you don't feel that you need to judge others or speak negatively of others. So on the one hand, the reason emuna. So again, the whole premise based on Reb Chaim Bitala is we have an element inside ourselves called wind. When that element is corrupted, there's a virus in that element that comes out as the misuse and abuse of speech. And why does all that happen? Because we don't have Amuna. So how do we solve it and cure it? How do we heal it? By working on Amuna. So if every day I try to be mindful, you know there's a God, let Him judge. Let Him judge. I'm really angry about that thing and this thing and I want to tell someone about what happened with that person. And then you stop yourself by saying, you know what? All I have responsibility for and only one that I can control is myself. I have to work on me the one on the right, and the one on the left, politically, religiously, and this and that, and the other thing, the people around me, at work, in my family, I can't change them. So you know, my job is not to talk about them, it's not to judge them, it's not to call them a name, I can only work on myself. And what gives you the strength to do that is when you have amuna. When you say, it's not my world, it's his world, and they're not accountable to me, they're accountable to him. And it's not my plan that will call the shots, it's his plan that calls the shots. And when I work on that amuna that I'm a small cog in the wheel of life of Hashem, that I'm just one puppet. I'm just one, He's pulling the strings for all of us. If I work on and promote my sense of Amuna, then I'll have the courage and the strength to not need to gossip about others, to not need to sit in judgment of others, to not have an opinion about everyone and everything. If I work on a moon, I realize, you know, my faculty and power of speech, it's supposed to be reinforcing my relationship with him. I'm supposed to be using it to give him a return on the investment he gave me of the power of speech to build and to uplift, not to knock down and to destroy. That's a abuse of the gift I was given. And when someone abuses a gift you've given them, they take it back. They stop giving gifts or they take that gift back. And I don't want this gift taken away from me. I want to be healthy. I want the power to be able to speak then we need to all be very careful in how we speak. Wishing everyone a chodesh tov. And Mez Hashem will continue next week.